Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> hey, mate. How are you, brother? Not too bad. Not too bad. You know, oh. first uh, first week in lockdown, making the most of it. Bloody hell. Is, what's changed for you working from home, yeah? Yeah, so I think the orders was from midnight Thursday or, or I guess like Friday morning. Um, Friday's work from home anyway, but it's yeah. probably more... Uh, it's probably more just the weekend into Tuesday, but I think the last I heard, we've got a couple extra cases. So um, we'll see what happens over the next coming days. There's mm. a podcast actually, uh, the All In podcast. It's with uh, Chumart, um, a few other really, really smart guys and CEOs of companies. And they were speaking about the new strains of the vaccine and how many strains yeah. there are already. And the two main ones is like, a and like delta yeah so i've heard two, of the delta one you've heard of the delta so Delta's one that's, that's a, like pretty fucking bad apparently yeah um but there's so many different strains and i guess i feel like a lot of people don't know that that mm. even a random stat as well i heard in the podcast is 1800 different strains of the flu yeah holy shit like, i feel like people don't know that shit and even the vaccine i found uh, like obviously i'm not People call me doc, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a- <laughs> hey, we all think you're a doctor, mate. <laughs> so take this with a little bit of grain of salt because this is on some uh, other people's knowledge, but you know they're pretty, pretty smart guys. They said oh. that uh, even the vaccine only has a 60% chance of working. Yeah. So okay. even if you, yeah, even if you take the vaccine, you should take both vaccines, like both kind of. Um, like say Pfizer and AstraZeneca kind of thing, take both of them mm. and then you have a higher chance of like not getting it, but you still have a 60% chance. Yeah. See, like if, if it was hardcore head start making the vaccine, it'd be a hundred percent success, right? Like we just wouldn't <laughs> take any chances. <laughs> Self vaccinating. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you right now. I don't think hardcore head start has got a chance of making a vaccine boys. Maybe Sam, <laughs> Sam was true. a smart one. Sam, Sam has got the skills. If, even then, he's an engineer. He's not a doc. He's not. He's not in, in medical. Yeah, he's not in medical. <laughs> but I'm thinking he's the one who's probably got the brain capacity. <laughs> yeah, he's he's studied the real science, unlike the rest of us. <laughs> but what were what were some of like the um, aside from that that key point that you know there's two variants. What were some of um, was there any sort of like takeaways that we haven't heard of before that you thought was interesting as well from the podcast? Um, oh, definitely the strain one. Like there's so many different strains. Like I, mm. I think the way they record strains is kind of like throughout the alphabet. So, you know, A, B, D, C, A, B, C, D, E, F, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, mm. I can't remember what number they're up to, but uh, what letter they're up to, but it's, it's like a lot worse than people think. So all I know is the podcast is certainly making me, th- that podcast, the all in podcast, the most recent episode from, I didn't think now would it be two days ago. So go listen to it and mm. don't just take my word because maybe I interpret it differently yeah. to other people. But me personally, I'm yeah, I'm thinking about getting thinking about getting the vaccine. It's made me think. It's made me think mm. about getting it because I was always like, nah, there's some hesitant tracking chip in there or something. But um, <laughs> it just being so new, I was very kind of wary of yeah. getting it, but. You know, I think when, and I think that's a value of like really intelligent people or respected people, people with high reputations. Once they start communicating mm. 
effectively and talk, you know, talking about these things transparently, it kind of gets a lot of people on side. Because mm. in my opinion, that's where the government go. Oh, excuse me. That's where the government goes wrong about it. They're just like, Mark, just go get the vaccine. She's all right. Yeah. I think, uh, like, in my opinion, so it's been 18 months since we've we've gone into lockdown, right? So a year and a half now. And I suppose I have I haven't really paid attention to the, the small details just because it just feels like, you know, it's just ongoing. But my sort of takeaway from it is follow the country that's doing the most vaccinations because that's what we're all sort of heading towards, right? Like, get the vaccinations out, see if the vaccination works and then, Sort of if it doesn't work, then back to the drawing board. And what country has the highest vaccinations? The UK, right? So at the moment, the UK. So we wait a couple of months, see what happens to all the guys that have been vaccinated in the UK. <laughs> and then we decide. <laughs> yeah, if if if, if, <laughs> if if you know sudden, yeah, suddenly like they're they're coming out, babies are being born with three eyes, then we might think twice. <laughs> the thing um someone we were chatting about the podcast someone brought up a good point is like we don't know if the actual vaccine is the same as other countries though uh i see so region from region is going to be different again yeah like how do we really know um you know what dosages are correct what kind of actual vaccine is the right one you know is it better to just get all of them and kind of like over a certain amount of time and kind of like boost your system. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know the answers, but I, it made me think about it a hell of a lot more. Cause I like, I don't know about you, but I've been really, really lucky, you know, relative, like yeah. all my work kind of transitioned to home um, when I was working in nine to five. Um, but then obviously I've transitioned out of the nine to five. So it hasn't affected me as much. So yeah. I think when it hasn't directly affected you, people have a kind of ability to like not think about it, not pay attention yeah. to what's going on. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's fair enough to a lot of people because they got enough things to worry about in their, in their lives. But <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know. This podcast all, itself made me think. Yeah. All, I, so I've been listening to the, the audio podcast and I, I'm, and mostly for a few chapters left um, to essentialism. Okay. And, you know, I suppose applying it to this context, it's like, when does the vaccine become essential? When is it essential to pay attention to coronavirus? It's when there's suddenly like like 300 cases in Victoria. You're like, okay, I probably should pay attention now and see what's happening. Right. But, you know, like the cases could be in the thousands overseas and you're just kind of focusing on your bubble. If the cases aren't high in your area, you probably you probably won't read into it that much. Mm. Um, so, I don't. Yeah, I, I suppose it. Like like you said, like there's people who are directly affected, and they they'll be very interested because it might mean they'll go into work, or they won't go into work the week after, or they need to sort of plan around for their kids, for example um like schooling and i know a lot of people who have kids they they think about coronavirus a lot more than maybe the counterparts because they have to think about who's going to look after the kids if they stay at home and that sort of thing whereas mm. for us it's it's not even a consideration yeah and i think we're really really lucky in that in that regard to be kind of young enough to have the 
lack of responsibility. We only got to look after. You don't have to, you don't have to be lucky, Doc. You can have kids now if you want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right, boys. No, not my team. Definitely not yet. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so essentialism. I've read that book a while ago, but you just what finished it or you got a few chapters left, you said? Uh, I've, I think I got through most of it, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably about two thirds through chapter 16 or 17. I'm not too sure how many, many What's... there is, but I, I think I'm close. Oh, Ripper. What's your main takeaway? Or main ways. It's hard. I know. Yeah. It's not how my brain works either. So I apologize about even asking yeah. the question, but there's, there's a ton, but I suppose like, because I've, I've read it, maybe listened to it more recently. There's, there's a few things that um, definitely front of mind, but I've been sort of taking notes and, you know, there's no way I'll, I'll cover all the, all the gold nuggets in there. Um, but it's, it's, it's a nice reminder of the, the Pareto principle around, how 80% of your outputs are generally caused by 20% of your actions. Um, and it talks about this idea of really, you know, really looking at your activities and starting with the goal, right? If your goal is to have something published by a certain date, then, you know, that's a time sensitive thing. So you have to think if all your actions are working towards that, um, and then I think the other things was, uh, I don't know if you remember the part, but it says if you're doing activities, right, you you rate, you should rank or rate your score from one to 10. And if it's not a nine or a 10, then you should not yeah. do it because you're paving way for the things that are nine or 10 or, or essential. Um, so that, that stood out for me. So I think with a lot of social pressures and, and that sort of thing, you, you, you tend to get into accepting things that are like often you don't mind doing but you probably should be doing something else um so that that stood out and then i think there was one other thing um which was uh what was it uh, that's right so just making things like 20 the 20 second rule so like obviously it'll vary but the general rule was make the things that you want to do more 20 seconds easier so like wearing your gym clothes the night before oh, yeah, or yeah. getting your audio book within like, you know, 20 seconds, like a few steps away from you or like um, installed on your app on the front screen rather than going through four folders. Mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing I, I think was, was pretty powerful. Mm. Um, how about you? What, what stands out for you from, from uh, uh, yeah. the principles around essentialism? It's just been a little minute. Um, I have a habit of, reading stuff and then incorporating it and applying in one's life and then forgetting where the information came from. So yeah. <laughs> regurgitating is hard, but I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure, um, well, I am sure. One of the things from essentialism that was really kind of impactful for me was like, try and find that one dump domino that provides the most ROI. Yeah. And that one domino, you solve that one domino and it solves and kind of as a domino does, ticks over the rest of the problems. So you solve that one problem that solves the rest of your problems and it frees up a lot mm. of time. And a lot of essentialism for me and getting back to what you were saying before about um, kind of we do so many things is mm. when you apply, you know, the Pareto principle or when you apply 
a few of the other principles in essentialism, it allows you to say no to the least important things. So that rating system of nine to 10 is in my kind of interpretation of the book is allowing you to save more time to do more of those more important things. Mm. So yeah, you know, I, huh? but yeah, I, well, that's a bit messy, but by rating, <laughs> yeah, by rating things, you're always doing the most important thing, which means you get the best ROI. Hmm. Well, the, I think it was really powerful what you said around, uh, you know, one big decision can eliminate a lot of, you know, decisions or, or decisions that are, uh, would normally have your consideration. So if you decide you're going to university, if you're choosing whether you're going to university or not, choosing not to go to university removes all the decisions based around what courses, how much time do you work full-time or part-time and everything else that goes hand like hand in hand with that so if you know for yourself hey you know i've got something that i want to build or or your business or your investing or whatever it is and that means that you're not going to have your foot in university as well Mm. it removes all those decisions around that so and and that's just one example yeah i think with the way the world works these days the amount of social pressure just from and any other kind of pressure with bills and everything, it, it makes it hard for people to say no. Mm. So everyone is always trying to do so many things. And there's an example yeah. in the book. I'm pretty sure it's from this book. It's where uh, he's a relatively high executive. It's like one of the first examples in the book. He's a relatively high executive and his wife is, at the moment having a baby like she's in labor right yeah and the either the day of the baby or the day after she's had the baby there's a important meeting to go to yeah right now into in obviously intuitively yeah. god damn i yeah. just literally gave up that word <laughs> intuitively the answer to go to that important meeting is no because you've just had a child or you're having a child but due to the social pressures of bills and not wanting to let down your, you know, your coworkers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the example mm-hmm. is this guy says, yes, goes to that meeting. Inevitably the meeting doesn't eventuate out into anything because, you know, the client ends up actually losing respect because you don't have your priorities in check, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the best answer is actually to say no. And I think saying no, you know, that's one example of saying no. And I think it applies in other areas as well. If you say no to the least important things or just if you already have too much on your plate, you can apply better value to those things that you're already doing. And you can do yeah. those things to a higher standard. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. Tell, tell, tell me, let's unpack that a bit more. Like, tell me what, what kind of um, experience or uh like situation comes to mind when you think of where it was a little bit challenging for you to say no or like where you had to consciously make that decision to say no to to whatever it is yeah yeah i remember personally being like when it was younger of kind of trying to do everything so the first thing you do on this journey is realize that unfortunately you don't have enough time to go and hang out with your friends and then study everything that you need to spend copious amounts of hours working to get money. But Mm. you inevitably start trying to do that. 
So yeah. you're trying to have a social life. You try to have that kind of work-life balance. You try to work a hundred hours and then study at night and then go out and see your friends. But unfortunately, inevitably you realize that there's no longevity in that and it's not possible. So something yeah. has to give eventually. Uh, and if people go in with that mindset of you kind of for, unfortunately can't have everything at once, you can't have, you know, both worlds uh, and you do need to sacrifice, then I think the decision made previous to uh, doing all that unnecessary work makes it a lot easier mm. in the long run. Yeah, it's it's. I reckon it's, yeah, it's really hard. So like social pressures and um, like if you don't have a clear, a clear sense of how you're going, how you want to spend your time, other people's idea of how you should spend your time becomes more attractive. And this idea of like going to this party and going to that party and going out for drinks or going out for dinner um, becomes like really difficult. And and you have those friends that are, you know, they. You know they're really because they're really passionate about it right and they're not really doing anything wrong they they're generally passionate about it so they're trying to persuade you to come along and do you know what's fun for them or what's important to them at the time so they're not doing anything wrong it's just you don't have your own compass so you kind of get pulled into somebody else's gravitational pull i feel and i struggled a lot with that and i realized it was more because i didn't have a clear idea of what I wanted to do and how I wanted to spend my time um, in the earlier years. And I got better with it because uh, when, when, when it's like transition from actually, I know what I want to do, but I'm trying to please somebody else. That's when there was the internal conflict. And I was, you know, and I, I realized something's got to change. And that's when I started getting better at saying no, I think. Mm. Yeah. Is there a specific, and, and it, it's an art form. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So like, um, I'd say just going out for like, you know, being, being frugal, right. So, you know, intentionally wanting to go out only, uh, you know, twice a month rather than three times a week eating out, for example, because that, you know, as you know, eating out can, can sort of eat into your budget and, uh, you know, consequently <laughs> mean that, you know, you've got less money to save and invest and that all that sort of thing. Mm. So, you know, what, what point, you know, you, you sort of have this conflict of how am I going to reach my goals and how am I going to try to save X amount of money and invest X amount of money if you're doing the actions, you know, you're, you're going out to eat, you're spending money on alcohol, you're going out clubbing and you start looking at numbers more closely because you're tracking those numbers. So you have that internal conflict. So for me, yeah, it was, it was definitely, um, for example, going out, as a as a 19, 18, 19 year old and knowing that each night out was going to cost a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars on the cheap end, you know, once you factor in taxis, drinks, um, you know, food, late night food after, you know, you're waiting for your taxi and so on. So yeah, I think that was really difficult for me. I, I just kind of went with the flow for a couple of years. It wasn't until you know, two years of that, um, getting that out of my system, I started getting better at saying no, I think. Yeah, that going with the flow thing is, is like, it seems such a 
uh, harmless decision, but it's very dangerous. Like if you don't make, I think a quote from the book is if you don't make, if you don't make your choices, someone else will. If someone, if you don't make your own choices, someone else will make them for you. Something very similar yeah. to that. And like unpacking that is if you don't make the cons conscious decision to not go out because you want to save money, you'll be very easily swayed by your friends to just go with the flow and go out with them. So it's yeah. like, where do your, it's, it's kind of like that old thing. Where do your priorities lie? That old testament, yeah. that old thing. It's like, if you've got a goal, if your priorities don't lie in becoming financially free, for example, then you have yeah. no room, time, money to spend on, you know, going out yeah exactly and i think you just like what you said just reminded me of um uh like an example that was mentioned in the book so it talks about this nurse, australian nurse who looks after people so her job is to look after people in their last 12 weeks of their life so they're they're at the end um they're pretty much at the end of their life in so um it's just palliative care yeah yeah so they're in palliative care and the nurse nurse's job is to just make sure they've got a high quality of life in those 12 weeks um, as you know, before they die. And one of the questions or one of the interviews like she did with each of those patients was trying to understand, you know, any of their regrets and anything they would have done differently. And top of the list was always living a life true and honest to themselves rather than what was expected of them from other people. Mm. So I think this is a drawn out version of what we're talking about now, right? So like you've got the following your friends and, uh, you know, giving into peer pressure of going out or drinking or whatever in, in small doses, but this might be living to, you know, um, your parents' expectations of you going to school, or, you know, living a certain life or, you know, only being able to date or marry a certain religion and, and so on. Right. So I think that's the more extreme version of it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, dude, that's pretty deep. That's really deep. Mm. I think people are always afraid of doing what it is that they enjoy because they feel ostracized from where they are at that moment. Yeah. So if you're in a community where whatever you enjoy doing is different to what the majority feels, you're going to feel, you know, alienated and every other emotion under the under the sky but it's important for people to i believe that there are people out there like you you just have to find them yeah yeah 100 something similar like speaking about friends community something probably we've touched on in the last podcast but we're going to continue to touch on is you know we as hardcore head start and us boys together you know we've joined in similar passions that make us happy, but we share them with each other. And it's our own little niche group right now. Yeah. For example, if, if someone doesn't like investing, doesn't like the way we, you know, progress through life, literally doesn't subscribe to the way we live life. Right. Let's just say that kind of person. Mm. And they're in our group say right now, or they're in our, eventually they come into our group, then, you know, you're not living your true life. You're not living your true way. So you have to do what is right for you at all times. Right? Yeah. There yeah, is always going to be people out there 
that subscribe to the way that you want to do life. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. I think um I suppose, you know, we've got we've got like uh you know Christy J. Shout out to Christy J in he's gonna in love the... he's gonna love <laughs> Christy J in the household. I, I think you know he's he's literally at that age where we felt it was most difficult to say no to like social um social events and you know just social gatherings and that sort of thing or maybe not social events per se but more social events that were maybe not intentional so it was more just about alcohol drinking and just you know like like you know talking shit and that sort of stuff which is fine but having more sort of deeper conversations with people with you know similarly aligned goals and ambitions feels like a more better use of time Um, and i think if you have people who have the similar goals similar ambitions you don't feel like you're missing out because you're you're constantly surrounded by that i think it's more difficult when you don't want to do those things but then you're also you're also not sure how to spend your time you know aside from youtube and reading books and you're like what am i doing is this the right path or is this the wrong path you know (laughs) yeah now that's a credit to you know that's something we all go through at you know uh different ages usually is does end up to be around you know that age now of like 22 23 um, where you're kind of trying to start working out what it is that you want. But, you know, that's fucking credit to Chrissy G has transcended that now and his, his ability to have deep conversations and kind of really give his perspective on, you know, how he dealt with that is, that's awesome. And I'm sure that'll come out in, you know, more future hardcore podcasts because you know, that's one thing, like what, what we're doing at hardcore is giving, you know, everyone has a different perspective along similar kind of passions, you know, investing, financial freedom, giving back, helping, progressing, et cetera, et cetera. But everyone still has a different perspective and everyone's perspective is allowed to shine. You know, Mm. there's going to be people out there who subscribe to, you know, each individual inside of hardcore's kind of experience or they're going to be able to relate to that person's experience more. And it's, you know feels good that you know we're solving mm. we're trying to solve that massive barrier of community yeah well look I, I think i think just building building on that um we've we've gotten to a point now where we've got quite a few like-minded people um you know in the hardcore head start and like within our group um but in the beginning it's normal to have fewer you know, sort of friendships and relationships that are in line with what, where you want to go, then they are, you know, sort of just, um, you know, just platonic sort of like relationships. And I think um, it's about nurturing the relationships that do matter. So let's say you've got 20 friends that you spend time with. Maybe there's only one friend that really shares your goal around trying to build a business or trying to get ahead or invest for the future. So you nurture, you water that friendship and you spend more time on that friendship because that creates a bond and that creates a, you know, a, someone who you can depend on when things get difficult, you keep each other accountable, that sort of thing. Um, I actually watched, uh, watched a movie last night. So I don't know if you know the story behind, so in, in, uh, there's a movie called, uh, uh, fuck, what's the movie called? Uh, 
it's 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 over my it's, i've just i've gone blank on it but basically there's uh there's a dog right a sh- you know the shiba shiba inu or shiba yeah, yeah yeah so there's a did you you know there's a statue of a shiba at shibuya crossing like near the train station no didn't i yes so there's there's a statue there and i went past this statue but i didn't realize there was like a significance or like a story behind it right this there's, is in um, japan yeah yeah, this is in Japan, Tokyo, Shibuya Station. Yeah. There's a little, little sort of like courtyard and then there's a, a statue of a Shiba, yeah. um, which I've, I've later found out that it's actually an Akita, which is a Shiba, but like a bigger version of the same dog. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I watched a movie last night, um, uh, which, which tells, a, it's a Western version of this story. So originally the story is, is in Japan, but they've remade it. Uh, like a Western version in the US uh, down in Rhode Island, right? Like this kind of small town. Anyway, I'll set the scene. So there's um, there's a, a train station. Uh, you know, you see all these, you know, people hop off the train, it gets busy and you see this kind of like trolley carting uh, like a, a, a pet dog, uh, sorry, a, a cage with a dog in it. And the cage falls off the trolley and the dog is kind of like scrambling and like, can't it, it can't find its owner and this figure you know turns up picks up the dog and it happens to be this professor so a professor in music and he picks up the dog takes him home the wife is like there's no way we're keeping that dog you need to return it back to its owner so he's he's trying to he's having this internal struggle of you know he wants to look after the dog make sure the original owners find it or to kind of you know you know the alternative is ends it ends up at a pound right so the the short version of it is the he nurtures this dog he looks after the dog and he falls in love with this dog becomes his closest companion and he starts going to work and this dog like follows him to the train station and like wants to hop onto the train and this goes on and on for like six months like the dog walks him to the train station and then one day the professor during like a, a seminar has a heart attack and he dies, right? And this dog continues to go to the same spot for the next 10 years and just keeps waiting for its owner. And all the people like in the town are like feeding it and, and looking after it. But this dog keeps coming to the same spot. Um, and the owners obviously passed away and like the dog just sits there at the same time. like th- And it shows you... It going through like the different seasons like the warm season you know autumn spring and it just continuously every single day for 10 years and then the dog you know gets old and frail and then um the grieving mother uh, sorry the grieving partner of the professor comes back 10 years later sees the dog and he's, he's like still there a uh, bit of a sad story but it just shows like this kind of like unbreakable bond in a relationship where you like you invest in in those relationships and you've got that sort of that bond. So yeah, really interesting. That's beautiful. You have to find what that that movie's called for the people. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think this is going to seem weird, but I feel like I've seen a, like maybe like American version of that movie. I'm sure they've just ripped it straight off that. Uh, that, I think think it's called Hachi. 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 Yeah, that's right. Hachi. Dude, I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I've seen that. Have you said yeah, 2009 uh, is when it came out. I don't know. I know the story though. As you were explaining it, I know it. And I don't know if it's from that movie or if it's from something similar. 
But mm. yeah, no, that uh, that unbreakable bond of kind of yeah, really building. I really like that analogy of like if you've got twenty friends and one mm. is you know similar to you in personality and passion and drive, you know, really invest in that one because yeah, a, a lot of the times you know the people who are unfortunately you know, not interested in the same thing as you, it's kind of just a, oh, it's always how it's been. We're always, we're kind of just friends. We're kind of like, we always hang around the so the same gatherings, but without being sappy and soppy and all that kind of thing, like doesn't mean tr true love, but like, or best friends and stuff like that. Like, mm. you know, it's an entirely different feeling than just hanging around the same social group. Uh, the boys we got in the house at the moment and the boys that we've put together, like the last eight boys, like well, I've only known mm. you for how long? Like, I can't remember like what started the oh, year. Seven, yeah. Seven months, eight months. Something like seven that months. And I'd consider you like one of my closest best friends. And it's completely different to one of the like relationships that you don't manage a lot. Yeah. You know, like, we yeah, we like talk many times a week, like not just for this podcast. We talk anyway. Yeah. About well, that's what I'm most interested in. Well, that's right, because uh, I suppose between yourself and I and, and the other boys in the house, where look, we've, we've got we share a similar vision of building something in the future. Whereas I suppose you've got a lot of other friendships, relationships where you don't particularly see a vision. It's more just you know what you're experiencing in front of you. So you don't have um, a, a, like a picture or an idea of where that friendship is going or what you're building or what that future looks like with that friend. So I that, saw, I'm sorry, you go. Yeah. I was just going to say that's a much, uh, you know, weaker bond than, you know, having something uh, with, with, with another friend where you've got, you share a similar sort of, you know, ambition, goal, vision. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I saw, um, I don't know if this is like a meme, but I see it on Instagram or something all the time. It's like that stupid relationship channels and shit where they're like um yeah. or best friend channels it's something silly but it definitely i reckon it has some truth to it it's like uh if you think like someone's your best friend or some shit like that stop messaging them and see if they message you back so it's yeah. like if, if, if you didn't message someone how long would it take or would they ever actually message you back it's kind of like how interested are they in the relationship as much as you are so if you're the one putting all the effort in the time and the time in all the time are you the one just mm. keeping that relationship alive when there's no real point to it because both people are not mm. interested in it yeah that's that's yeah i think that's an interesting take um and it, it will definitely give you a sense of you know how like where those relationships stand um there's there's also i suppose um relationships where maybe you don't hear from someone for a long time but they you know that's just life getting busy and you'll still be very close, but then there's other people who, you know, you know that it's more one-sided, like you said. And I think everyone can relate to this situation where for one reason or another, you and another friend sort of part ways or they, you sort of grow apart and you look back and you think, you know, you, you, you can't quite understand why the friendship sort of grew apart. And you look back and you try to make excuses for the other person and, or, or whatever it is but quite simply it's just you know one person viewed the friendship as more important than the other person 
And if you're the one who's lingering and thinking about that friendship and why it didn't work out, chances are, you know, quite simply, you are more invested in that friendship than they were Mm. because they're probably not thinking about their friendship as much as you are. Otherwise, you know, you'd make that effort and it wouldn't fizzle, I suppose. Mm. I think it's like really highlighted in the amount of friends that stay together after school yeah like unfortunately there's not a lot well me personally um maybe i'm a interesting example because i've kind of early very early in life kind of took on that kind of progression mindset and value mindset Mm -hmm. but um even even still i think there's a lot of relationships where school was and that kind of social lack of maturity environment was the only thing keeping the relationship and the friendship together Mm. And when things get real and, you know, doing bigger things is on the mind of one person, you know, those relationships fizzle out. Yeah. So it's interesting yeah. the kind of situations that, like, I know a lot of people, I was involved in like local sport and all that kind of thing. And i got friends from there. i got friends from school, but I don't communicate with like any of them, not out of like, I don't enjoy them, but those are the specific environments from where those relationships were kind of cultivated and that's where they just stay. There's nothing more than from that, if that makes sense. Well, that's right. Like let's say you go through a phase where you're doing heaps of martial arts or sports, you know, footy, soccer, and you, you get to a competitive level, you build those friendships, those bonds and the, the glue is activity of, of soccer or sports, right? If you, um, if you then transition and your focus comes around building character, self-development, um, you know, building, uh, building out investments and, and sort of looking into ways to, you know, create a, a business or, or whatever it is, if you're fixated and you're passionate about that, you're always going to be talking about that. And given, you know, two or three options, you're always going to choose the one that's going to help you get closer to your goal. And if someone else is, goal or vision isn't the same as you they're not going to find that interesting so you know you'll be talking about something and they're not that interested in it and the only thing that brings you guys back is talking about the sports but slowly you'll you stop caring about the sports as much and they might still be stuck on Mm. on the soccer or or the activity and it's not right or wrong it just it's a misalignment of where your priorities are Mm. as you sort of grow i suppose or get older yeah yeah i think because like a kind of still comes back to that whole um, like community and group and passion kind of thing. Like, you know, if, if my passion was football solely, like I loved football, like all I wanted yeah. to do was play football, talk football, be football, you know, then I would kind of align myself with people who are similar. Yeah. But at the moment, um, as far as I can tell, all my passions rely on business, rely on personal growth, self-development, um, investing, finance, helping other people, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, you know, and the people around me at the moment, they have very similar passions, very well, near on say exactly mm. the same passions. So it, um, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of, it does make sense. And if you, Mm. if you, if you're being true to yourself and those are, if you're in a community where your true passions and you have a community around you and you have a niche group of people around you, 
then you know count yourself lucky because there's a lot of people in the world who do not a lot yeah. of people in the world who aren't open enough with themselves to be able to say what they really want not enough people have done the thinking to tell what it is they really want so mm. if you think at the moment you really know what you want and you have a group around you of people that want similar things to you count yourself lucky and if you listen to this and you you know you don't know what you want try and find try and work it out it should be your main thing in life work out what the hell you want surround yourself with people who yeah. want similar things yeah 100 100% i think yeah build, building on that um at the start if if you are used to a certain way and you want to grow and change the person you are you're going to run in you're, you're most likely going to run into struggles and challenges right so trying to establish a whole new support network of people that you can rely on and depend on when you're having like difficult days because if you're obsessed with building a business you're going to run into roadblocks every single day if you build that network when you're having those tough days you're going to be able to bounce back much better if you nurture and you focus on those relationships because you can't depend on your you know your or less so your family and your friends from football your your past you know sort of shared hobbies in and you know um, other areas of your life to provide you the support you need to grow your business because they don't understand or have the experience or interest in business i suppose yeah i think that's that's beautiful i think yeah in in when it comes to what you want self-fulfillment it's probably the area where you need to be the most selfish yeah find out what it is you want and it's not easy to do it takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of experiment, it takes a lot of pain, but mm. yeah, she's worth it. <laughs> as far as I can tell so far, it seems to be worth it. I'm not saying I'm done. I'm saying I'm on the path. And as far as I can tell, I feel, um, Samir said something in a podcast the other day where he goes, this just feels right. What we're doing at how go ahead, start and being together. Um, mm. And I literally couldn't agree anymore. And it yeah. really resonated. I was like, yeah, this, everything we do feels the right thing. And I guess that's mm. kind of, you know, a, a metric for yourself to like look inside and be like, if something isn't feeling right and you need to not shy away from it, you need to go deeper into it and understand what it is, why it doesn't feel right. It's not yeah. enough, not enough. To, you don't have enough time in the world to do things you don't enjoy doing. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, Samir, Samir um, definitely has, uh, you know, he's, he's very self-aware and I think he's really in touch with his emotional side. So he knows when, you know, with, with the emotional intelligence, he knows when things are morally aligned, personally aligned, and he's, you know, heading down the right path in all the development and growth that comes with that. Um, you know, we're just lucky we've gotten to a point now where, we probably know more friends or spend more time with friends that share the same goal than friends that don't, but it's not always going to be like that from the beginning. In fact, there's a lot of people that we come across that are very interested in self-development and really interested in, you know, investments or finances or, um, you know, building a business. And those people often express feelings of loneliness, feelings of not belonging, not having, you know, 
someone who they can talk to about their interests about. And I think that's a feeling that like I, I experienced quite a bit early on. And, you know, I remind myself that people feel the same. So whenever you, you come across those people, you try to water and like help them understand that, you know, it's just part of growing part of that experience, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was very lucky in that regard when I kind of started this journey and realized I enjoyed it. I had a community there, you know, that was built by people similar to yourself um, because they were lonely on that journey. You know, what do they say? You know, the road to the top is lonely or being at the top is lonely. It's very, very true mm. because it's kind of the ostracized or it's the hardest thing to do. It's the niche of everything. Like the majority are not mm. doing what we do for a reason. So to be able to find people like us or to kind of artificially created a community like us because it's necessary, mm. we're really filling a hole that I think a lot of people need especially yeah. young young business people young entrepreneurs uh young investors i mean the list kind of goes on young self-development people who you know mm. want to better themselves so we should probably preface like why we keep talking about hardcore headstart and where these other podcasts are yeah i think um so if you go to one of our instagrams you'll be able to find it somewhere or if you just go to uh, YouTube, you can go to Hardcore Head Start clips, uh, or on Spotify, you can go to Inside Hardcore Head Start. Uh, it tells you what Hardcore Head Start is. It's got the most recent brand identity episodes of us building the company. Uh, it's also got on the YouTube channel Hardcore Head Start clips. It's got some of our kind of best sound bites so far. Um, yeah. There's not a heap of content out there yet. Uh, it's something we're really working Some on building, building at the moment, but. Um, that will probably provide some more context of why we keep talking about how go head start and where a lot of our ideas kind of come from, I guess. Yeah, certainly, certainly. So yeah, I think, um, I think if you're not already following those pages, yeah, definitely give them a follow. Um, it covers and summarizes a lot of what we say in, you know, somewhat more digestible formats. Um, these podcasts are long and, you know, not, not everyone listens all the way through. So if you're, if you find those, you know, channels more easier to digest, certainly recommend um, giving those channels a follow. Yeah. No, it's something we're working on building something. We've been kind of all the last say, you know, six, depending on your age, I guess, and depending on the journey, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's like a cultivation, a compilation of all of our years of learning that we are, created a mindset and a lifestyle from that we are trying to uh, not necessarily teach, but, you know, definitely teach the people uh, of how we do life. And if that's something you think you will help you, then let's, let's hope yeah. it does. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, whether, whether you're 17 and starting the journey of investing and, you know, the journey of self-awareness and figuring out where you want to spend your time and how you want to spend your life or if you're in your 40s and you're looking to you know make a bit of a change or um you know take your finances or you're investing more seriously um you know we think our content or, or you know although um quite uh quite you know specific and, and in-depth at times we do have broader information and you know 
um, and like topics that we discuss that we hope is 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 of value to you know um, people no matter what what age you are. I think I actually just made a misstep where I was like, oh, not necessarily trying to teach. I think that's actually incorrect. I believe yeah. we are we are actually trying to teach, and I believe we have the the right and the authority to based on our experience, especially in the investing world. Um, and definitely in the self-development world from, you know, where we first came, we've, we've done a lot of work to get to where we are and it comes from a place of wanting to help. Um, mm. so yeah, I, I actually just wanted to clear that up. We are definitely trying to teach our kind of lifestyle and the way we live because we think it can definitely help and provide value to a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, mate. This was a, this was a good, good podcast. And, uh, I think we covered some, some really interesting topics there. And, uh, I think each, each week we're sort of getting, getting better, um, getting better, you know, covering, uh, topics in more detail. And then also, you know, sharing a little bits of pieces of where headcore hard, sorry, hardcore head start is, is heading. That's good. <laughs> I even say the title. Nice. Love it. <laughs> yeah. It's getting, um, I think we're getting we're getting better and I think the people are enjoying it. Um, you know, we're getting really good feedback all the time, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh so happy to keep doing this while I'm enjoying it, while we've got something to say mm. and keep hydrating myself while we're doing it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs>